Hello, everybody, and welcome to podcast number 63 of The Real Estate Show. I'm Cherie Selly, and with me is Shauna Euling of Selly Group Real Estate, and we are so glad to be back with you as all of you I know are getting prepared for this Thanksgiving time and holidays are coming and we all feel the change and houses, they're coming down too. So Yeah, they are. I mean, there's a lot going on, but let's break down some stats, shall we, Shauna? Let's do it. Are you ready? So for October, that's our last month of stats because November is not complete yet as we air this. October 2022 stats, the average home price was at 532,488 and it is actually slightly up, if you can believe really? it. Really? From September 22. So just a little bit. Okay. Um, 1.8%. That's not a huge, doesn't mean that, hey, sellers, everybody start <laughs> overpricing your home because the market's going back up. But it, it shows that there hasn't been a huge drop off, which yeah. is good. The median price of homes is, it's a little bit up too. So at 1.1% 1. 1 up. So 465 was the median price for October. Mm -hmm. And the median price for September was 460. Um, so back let's say this this october of 2021 the average home price was at 510 and the median price was at 446 hmm. so we were a little bit closer to 4 to 4.5% above um for this month versus 2021 it's not too bad no no so when people are thinking you know, run to the hills, literally, and burn your houses because everything's, you know, falling away. That's not true. But at the same time, there's there's a lot of hard things happening. So let's not gloss it over. The market is very different than mm -hmm. it was. We all know that. Um, and let's talk about this because I think the big thing is inventory. So right now we're at 2,645 homes for October that were active supplied homes with sales being at 1100 mm -hmm. for that month. So let's talk about October 2021, because this is an interesting comparison. Last year at this time, we only had 1048 active listings and 1641 sales. Hello? Yeah, that is interesting. So it is so so everybody basically could sell their home and some right? Last right. year. This year, you might have about two to two and a half homes for every home that's selling. Mm -hmm. So that's not crazy numbers. It's not like, again, the sky is falling, but sellers beware. This is the, the actually tracking the sales and the active supply is the part that can show us the changes that are occurring besides just the the average and the medium price. There's just more homes on the market and fewer are selling um, this year. And it gives buyers more to look at mm -hmm. and um, a little more time to choose, which is a positive yeah, on that side. I think that is a positive. And I mean, there is some silver lining for every time that somebody's feeling despair. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, I want to change this around for a minute, because as we're talking about it, it's just coming into my mind as you, we have our real life war stories, don't we, Shauna? We do. Every week <laughs> in this business. And I have a story about meeting a client. They were a sweet couple. Um, this last, well, it was a little over a week ago. 
And they came into town, and uh, she they'll, she will be a young doctor working here, not completely finished with residency, but transitioning here. And, you know, we were looking at, they wanted to compare a, quote, starter home to see how that would look for their life versus one that they would have considered kind of a move-up home. Mm-hmm. And do they take the risk of starting with the starter home, or do they go immediately to the move-up home? And I think I think that was a very important exercise to do with them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the a, there was a big big question that was posed because they're looking at their payments, and with the starter home price, their payments are still over thirty five hundred a month, really closer to four thousand. Mm-hmm. And so the question is: Is that a smart use of finances if we move in two years? Should we sell, we could sell that home and then actually buy up to our kind of doctor level home that we really want to raise kids in. Mm-hmm. So the question would be, you know, do you do you buy that starter home, sell it in two years, and then buy the move up home? So that strategy was, I mean, that was a no-brainer a few years ago, wasn't it, yeah. Shauna? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I had an interesting similar story last week too. I was meeting a client and he had two rental properties and wanted to is looking into selling those and maybe buying a multi-unit. Uh-huh. And after looking at all the numbers um, with everything and we know the market's going to be trending down. Um, so for him, it kind of makes sense to, it sounds like to hold because what he will lose on the, maybe on the downturn with the two smaller ones he would sell, he would have a bigger gain on the the drop of the bigger one he's going to buy. So, I see. So there's all kinds of ways to look at this market. It, there really is. Like you think, oh, maybe sell now, the market's going down. Well, yeah, but in his case, it might be better to hold. Isn't that interesting? So you just successfully unsold yourself a job. Is uh, that what you're saying? I hate that. So, but uh, yep. So, okay. So, but he'll call back. I mean, the Sully cleaning business, right? We need to get, we need to get our other thing going, right? If we keep doing this. And, and for me, I did the same thing. I, I successfully yeah. unsold the starter home idea because the, what I, what I said, and this is wisdom for anybody listening right now and wisdom that I need to remind myself of that short term thinking in a changing market is not the way to navigate this market. Right. So short-term thinking, meaning I'm just going to buy a home and and uh, I can flip it, I can sell it. Hey, I mean, these big companies, Redfin, I believe, are one of these big companies, they just stopped the flipping business. Mm-hmm. Um, I We know Zillow stopped the iBuyer stuff. Yeah. So there's reasons why flips are not working. Um, it doesn't, I mean, some of them do. Strategically, if you're an investor and you're really wise about that, with the right counsel, yes, you can still make a flip work. But the average buyer just buying to bank on that um, extra profit that we were this accelerated lightning speed profit, those days are not here. So uh, in fact, we will still be on a decline. And that's going to continue uh, probably harder even this next year than it is this year. Yeah, that's what they're projecting for sure. Yeah. But you just have to be smart and look at all angles and, you know, weigh all your options because sometimes the obvious choice might not be when you look at it the best choice. That's right. That's exactly right. So don't always go with the the obvious, you know. Yeah. You really have to do your research. That's what we're here to help you discern. 
And for this this client that I was working with, um, it makes more sense for them to think in five-year increments. Mm-hmm. And if they were going to buy their starter home to keep it for five years or so, that seems like a much less risky and approach. And that's always a wise thing to do anyway, I think, no matter what the market. Like a five-year outlook is, you know, gives you some safety. It does. It does. I mean, when the market crashed before and the people that just chased the market down and had to panic sell, mm-hmm. you know, if they would have waited those extra years, then their home, some of some of the people, their home almost doubled yeah, in price. Yeah, almost doubled. So that's why, again, don't buy with a mentality of short-term thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, so ride the wave. We're all in it. We're all feeling it. But um, Cowabunga. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can surf, girl. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. <laughs> and and I think, um, I just think it's so, so, so important. And along some of these other important things that we're dealing with on a practical basis, Shauna, some, some real life experience came to both of us in a certain way of disclosure mm-hmm. recently. So do you want to share a little bit about your experience? Yeah, I had um, a client and we were talking about selling a property and maybe, I don't know, a month ago or something. And then he called back again. He was on vacation, came back, and since then had a death in the rental property that happened. And Mm. so that obviously changed a few things for him. And he asked, do I have to disclose this? And he's um, they're from California. The laws are a little different out there than they are here. There you have to disclose um, no ifs, ands, or buts, any ghosts, deaths, anything that would stigmatize the property. Mm. And here the laws are a little different. The agent does not have to disclose, but the buyer or seller is still responsible um, for that information and could be liable. So um, very interesting conversation about that of Yes. What is there statutes of limitations on that? Well, no. I don't <laughs> I don't I, think so. I, well, we're not an attorney, so that's a question that's beyond our scope, honestly. Yeah. But I mean, a person that wants to sue, they, you know, they, Yeah. I would just I would say talk to your attorney about that, but that's that's the risk that you're putting yourself in as a seller to not disclose. Right. Um in a similar situation, uh well, not similar, but it, ironically, we we are also uh, in in the process in, of closing a property where there were two deaths in the property of natural mm-hmm. causes. But um, this whole idea of what do we disclose? We know in Colorado law and what they're teaching us as agents that the mm-hmm. listing agent does not have to disclose what psychologically is stigmatized about a property. Mm-hmm. That is so true. So as you were saying, like in California, things like, you know, was somebody killed here? Were there ghosts, this or that? As a listing agent, we have no duty to disclose that. But if we don't have the seller disclose it, an attorney counsel that I received told me this. You're setting your your client up for potential liability and lawsuits that could come later Mm -hmm. that may have nothing to do with you as the agent but they have everything to do with the seller not disclosing. So sellers, yeah. it's better to over-disclose. I'm not saying, you know, that, well, it's just, I'm not saying make things up because you're so scared about disclosing, but tell the truth. Yeah, and that's a big one because some some people are very sensitive about that particular subject. Some 
don't care, but some do. And if you get the one that does and you didn't disclose, you might have a problem on your hands. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. So, so as the seller, um, the best place to disclose that, Shauna, where would you say? In the seller's property disclosure. Bingo. <laughs> Check other. <laughs> and you can write whatever you want in because there's not a line item for that specific. There isn't a line item for item. death, destruction. Yeah. Hurricanes, mutual, whatever, you know? Yeah. No, you you really and truly, though, there you would need to write it in that other section. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is important. I think um, as agents, we are not the ones to fill out your disclosure. And I think that's a common misnomer by mm-hmm. some sellers that they think we should be checking the boxes or helping you f- figure it out. We can, of course, review it. Mm-hmm. We want to read it to make sure there are no questions or no things that the seller talked to us about that were not they were not disclosed on the disclosure. We have to make sure everything is in there. Yeah. Um, but wow, Shauna. So let's say let's just play a, a quick role here, and the seller tells you, "Hey, I know that my furnace is going out, and the furnace company told me it was broken, but I don't want to disclose it." What would you tell them? You just did. <laughs> there you go. See, there goes Shauna Shark. <laughs> you did because then Shauna, even if they don't disclose it, you as the agent have a duty to disclose. We do. And when we find out those things, you have to disclose it. And you shouldn't try to hide it anyway. That's right. Because... You know, the inspector is going to come find it out in the first place. It's so much better to just be to say the truth just, up front. It and, avoids a lot of trouble. And just because you disclose it doesn't mean you're agreeing to fix it. Because honestly, maybe the buyer is they might not even ask for that. But you still should be honest. They might want heat in this winter market, they but might. maybe not. Maybe well, in last year's market, there was a lot of people <laughs> saying. I'll waive everything. Yes. But you still should disclose. And by the way, that's the number one part of the regret for bu- for buyers now that have purchased those homes is that they bought homes where everything was waived. Yeah. And the biggest some of the biggest lawsuits are coming back on those sellers who did not adequately disclose things and the buyers mm-hmm. bought the home at what they thought was face value. Right. And there were hidden objects that were not disclosed. So just really important. I mean, we encourage everybody to do the right thing and disclose it up front. Treat others how you want to be treated. That's right. Bottom line. Give <laughs> heat in the home for everybody to enjoy. It's freezing today. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, catching us on this episode. We cannot wait to continue to connect with you. And we are so grateful to continue these podcasts. Talk about Thanksgiving. Um, Shauna, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our community. I'm thankful for the clients that we love and serve. And I hope that this podcast is of value. We want to continue to hear about the things that you would like for us to cover, topics that are relevant to you. Yes. So thank you again, and we will catch you next time. See you later.